continuing on the series of prayer and uh, in this particular section we're looking at um, how to pray and we looked at in the previous teaching we had a look at our Lord's uh, testimony in John's Gospel John chapter 11 verses 41-42 our Lord um, dealing with him he said the scripture says then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said Father I thank you that you have heard me and then verse 42 he says and I know that you always hear me and so we said that that is the uh, the kind of prayer life that we would should aspire to in our Christian walk is that we too can like our Lord Jesus uh, confidently say that our Father always hears our prayers um, because obviously if we get to that place the scripture really very plainly teaches us that um, if our Father hears our prayers then we know that we have the petitions that we have made known unto Him and so the key is for us to um, have our prayers heard by God and so we said we needed to then look at the, the prayer life of our Lord Jesus Christ um, and do a comparative between our lives and His in order to see you know, just what it is that our Lord practiced when He was on the earth so that his prayer life was that phenomenal that he knew that the Father always heard his prayers. Now I know that people say yes, but he was the Son of God, and so God would naturally hear his Son's prayers. Well, he was the Son of God, but he walked the earth as the Son of Man. And so as the Son of Man, Jesus was subject to the same lifestyle that we're subject to. Uh, he obviously never ever committed any sin. And so that is one of the uh, prerequisites that we had a look at. And we saw that one of the things that differentiates our prayer life with that of our Lord Jesus Christ is that he never ever committed any sin. And sin was not an issue when he went before the Father in prayer. However, in our case, that's not the, the case. We do have sin uh, in our lives as Christians, even the ones who, like Paul, who said, I know of nothing against myself. Nevertheless, uh, John said, if anybody says he doesn't have any sin, uh, he deceives himself and the truth not in him. And so we all do have sin. Uh, James says we all stumble in many things. And so sin has to be addressed before we go before God in prayer. And so one of the ways, we, well, the way that we do that is we apply 1 John 1, 9. The scripture says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the point before we go before God in prayer is that we need to make sure that we have no unconfessed sin in our lives because any sin that is present in our lives is going to hinder our prayers before God. Um, those prayers will not be heard and so it, it's very important for us to have our, the sin cleared up in our lives before we get on our knees and pray. Uh, 1 John 3 21 and 22 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And so very clearly, um, if our hearts are condemning us, well, then we're not going to meet the, the requirements of being able to pray before God with confidence. And we need to be able to pray before God our Father with confidence and the only way we're going to get around that is to make sure our hearts are not condemning us in area, any area. And the way that we address that is obviously uh, clearing out unconfessed sin in our lives. 
And then we said that uh, one of the things that our Lord practiced, which we need to also practice, if we get it, because the, the aim is to have our prayers heard by God, because if our prayers get heard by God, then the scripture is very plain to us that we have the petitions that we made known unto him. And so our Lord would always pray according to the will of the Father. He never prayed outside of the will of the Father. Luke 22, 42, our Lord speaking, he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so it's very important for us as Christians to make sure that we are praying according to the will of the Father. For if we do not pray um, according to his will, then he doesn't hear us. Uh, 1 John 5, uh, 14 says, um, and 15, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So again, if we ask anything not according to his will, he will not hear us. We can take that scripture both ways. And so it's very important for us uh, as believers to make sure that we're praying according to the will of God. So the idea is, before we get on our knees uh, to pray about an issue, we first consult the Word of God on the issue and find out what God has to say about the subject. And once we know what, he, what God has said about it, what promises He has given to us in His Word about that particular subject, well then it's within, with confidence that we can go before God our Father and petition Him and put Him in remembrance of His Word. His Bible teaches us to do that. And God has no problem with his saints quoting his word to them because God is a God of covenant and so when he makes a covenant he's not the one who breaks it it is always man who breaks the covenant but God never breaks it and so if we put him in remembrance of his covenant and his word to us is his covenant well then God upholds his covenant and he watches over his word to perform it the Bible teaches us um, and then we said we need to also be real with God in our prayer closet. And again, we had a look at our Lord Jesus in this uh, account, in this uh, condition kind of, and that is in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. The scripture says, Who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. And so here we have the spotless Son of God um, who knew God intimately. And nevertheless, he, the scripture says he made his prayers and supplications known to God with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him. And so there was no arrogance in our Lord's prayer life. Uh, there was complete um, submission to the Father. He talks about he was heard because of his godly fear. And so... Our Lord was completely reverent before God, and uh, He was very real before God. He, you know, we, we quoted a couple of Psalms, and you can go through the Psalms, as I said, and um, many of the Psalms are, in fact, uh, the prayers that were uttered by our Lord Jesus when He was on the earth, and uh, they're very enlightening because those Psalms um, reveal to us just how God how our Lord Jesus Christ um, petitioned the Father. And uh, it was, you know, it, it's, as I say, it is very enlightening for us to have a look at that. And so that brings us up to speed with where we are today. And, and so 
I want to start off today's teaching with looking at the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is again something different between our prayer life and that, is, and that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we said out with regards to sin, Jesus never ever sinned when he was on the earth. So he never had to deal with sin and sort out sin in his life before he went to God the Father in prayer. But that's not the case with us. We said that we do need to sort out sin before we go before God in prayer. But this is another aspect, and that is the name of Jesus. Um, we are able to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And obviously our Lord Jesus never prayed in his own name. And so the scripture we can look at there is in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. This is our, our Lord speaking. He says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so the, the name of Jesus is given to the church. Um, even the disciples up until the time that our Lord left the earth, when he, when he went to the cross, they never prayed in the name of Jesus. He had not given his name to them because he said, uh, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Now they had used his name for they were casting out demons and healing the sick in the name of Jesus when they were with the Lord Jesus um, in his earthly ministry. You will recall <coughs> excuse me, that John uh, mentioned to the Lord, he said, Lord, you know, we saw uh, people casting out demons in your name and we forbade them because they weren't uh, following us. And so our Lord said, no, don't stop them uh, because nobody after uh, after um, performing a miracle in my name can very soon thereafter speak any evil of me. And so um, even unbelievers at that time were using the name of Jesus to cast out demons. And so very clearly our Lord's disciples were using the name of Jesus to cast out demons and also to heal the sick. But no one, none of them had petitioned God the Father in the name of Jesus up until that point. And so it was at this point in John 16, this is the, obviously the evening before our Lord goes to the cross and our Lord is now sharing uh, spiritual truths with his church, uh, his disciples who were obviously going to become his church. And he said, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so the name of Jesus is available to the church and our Lord Jesus instructs us to ask in his name. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And so the name of Jesus is, um, has tremendous power, obviously, because um, it is in Philippians 2, 9, the scripture says, therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And so Jesus is the name which is above every single name that you can think of uh, in heaven on earth and under the earth everything bows to the name of Jesus because God the Father has given him the name which is above every name and so the authority in the, in the name of Jesus is widely uh, understood in the church by and large but the, the importance of the name of Jesus that we can use when we petition the Father 
is also something that is uh, very uh, unique to the church age, uh, because no, the, the saints, this is another difference between the saints praying under the new covenant and the saints praying under the old covenant. For both saints, petition the Father. Um, but the saints under the old covenant never had access to the name of Jesus. We, under the new covenant, do have access to the name of Jesus. And our Lord has said to us that when we petition God our Father, we are to use His name. Um, in fact, He even puts it on this point. He says, um, in John 14, 14, He says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so our Lord kind of just gives us a, a bit of insight as to why it is that the name of Jesus is so important in our prayer life. It's because Jesus attaches great um, importance to his own name. In that he said, whatever you ask in my name, if you ask anything in my name, now, we don't ask the Lord Jesus in his name. Uh, the church is not taught to pray to Jesus. The church is taught to pray to God the Father. Um, in that passage in John 16, 23, um, our Lord speaking, he says, and in that day, talking about the day that we live in now, he said, you will ask me nothing. And so we don't ask Jesus for anything. We ask God the Father. We are to petition God the Father ourselves. And our Lord said it. He said, uh, for the Father himself loves you. And so he, we have to make our request made known unto him. But we petition God the Father in the name of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so that's how the church is called to pray. Uh, and so we pray directly to God, but it's in the name of Jesus, because God the Father has allowed His Son to give His name to His church. And so when the church comes to the Father in the name of Jesus, God the Father honors the name of Jesus, because the church is coming to the Father in Jesus. That's actually what, what we're doing. We're petitioning the Father in Jesus. For when we, we come, when anybody says you can you know, go to such and such a place and they know me very well and you can just quote my name and you'll get access to the VIP lounge or whatever it is. And you do that and you say, you know, so-and-so sent me. Well, they open the door and put out the red carpet for you and they treat you as if you were so-and-so because you have access to that person's name. It's exactly the same with regards to the name of Jesus in heaven, before the throne. The throne, uh, God recognizes the name of Jesus. Well, Jesus is seated right at, at, at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high, God our Father, who is seated on the throne. And so when we come to God the Father and we make our petition to Him in the name of Jesus, well, God the Father gives His full attention to that name for that is the name of his beloved son. And he has given him the name. So that's another reason why God acknowledges this particular name, because God, in fact, gave Jesus the name, which is above every name. That's what the scripture teaches us. God has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name. And so it's so important for us as believers, when we petition God our Father, to always make our petitions known to him, in the name of Jesus, uh, because that name carries all of heaven's authority with it. And uh, God the Father recognizes that name, the name of his beloved Son. And again, our Lord himself said, 
If you ask anything in my name, so you're asking the Father in his name, Jesus said, I will do it. And so Jesus backs up his own name because it is his name. And he's given us use of his name. So it's not a case of, and we don't abuse his name, obviously, but it's not a case of he's given use of us use of his name. We use it and there's no power there. That's not the case at all. All of his power is attached to his name. And so we as believers should be using the name of Jesus when we pray to God our Father. Um, and then the, another section I want to touch on today with regards to how to pray, um, which is a section which is not taught to uh, 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 topic, which is not taught too often, and that is praying with persistence. Because we do need to recognize that we need to be persistent in our prayer life because there are, there's, we don't understand everything that goes on. Uh, God does, obviously. And so when we make our petitions uh, known to God our Father in the name of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, um, things need to take place in order for our petitions to be granted to us. And quite often, what needs to take place takes time in order for those things to take place. And so we should never give up on our prayers, um, but we should rather be persistent in our prayers. So let's have a look at um, some scriptures along this line, because our Lord Jesus himself taught us um, on this issue himself. And uh, so we'll have a look at what he taught on the subject. And so when he taught what is often referred to as our Lord's Prayer, that's in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through to 4. Um, he linked, straight away, he linked uh, that prayer with praying with persistence. And so we pick it up in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through to verse 10. And our Lord is kind of explaining to us what it means to be praying with persistence. And he said, the scripture says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise to give to you. Verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise, and give him as many as he needs. Verse 9, So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And so, our Lord couldn't get too much plainer than that. And so he's saying that, Let's just get back to the, the analogy that he puts out there. He, he, he's talking about two friends. They know each other very well. They're friends. Of, you know, I don't know how close of friends they were, but they were friends. So it's not just an acquaintance. These are friends. And so the one friend is in bed when his children are in bed, and it's late at night, and the other friend comes knocking at his door. And he said, you know, open up, guys. I need um, some food. I've got a visitor that's just pitched, and I've got nothing to set before him. And so the friend's initial replies, you know, <laughs> it's early hours of the morning, your nuts go away, come back in the morning, we'll get we'll sort you out there. But he doesn't go away. He stays there and he knocks. 
And our Lord says what happens is that, um, verse 8, I say to you, though that he will not arise and give him because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise. So even the relationship of the friendship didn't get this, this request answered. Um, because they were friends. So as I say, it's not just your next door neighbor. These were people that knew each other quite well in, in, in the analogy that our Lord is sharing with us. And he said, so he gets his answer, but he doesn't get his answer because he's, uh, he's approaching this individual as a friend. He gets his answer because he's persistent, because it was not the right time to come knocking at the door. Um, had he come that afternoon, his friend would have given him whatever he needed straight away. Had he come the following morning, his friend would have given him whatever he needed straight away. But he came at a very inopportune time. Everybody was in bed. And so the guy was pretty grumpy about the issue. He didn't want to get up and come and sort out his friend's needs. But he was persistent. He needed that answer there and then. And so he wasn't going to go away empty-handed. And he continued to knock. And so he gets his answer because of nothing else but because of his persistence. And so that's why our Lord says, and then he says, and so I say to you, this is why I'm telling you this, guys, he, um, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened unto you. And so our Lord is saying, you know, let's just do it on the knocking side. He said, knock and the door will be opened to you. So don't knock once, you get no response, and then walk away. Don't knock, and then you get a response that says to you, yeah, you're, you're coming at the wrong time, come back. And then say, okay, well, I'll come back and walk away. Because don't forget, you need, whatever you're knocking for, you need <laughs> the, the answer now, because that's why, you, you, that's why you're there knocking. And so you knock until the door gets open to you. That's persistence. That's saying, I'm not going away. So, you know, I, I, I recommend to you guys on the inside that you open up to me because I'm just going to continue knocking until you open up and give me what I need. And so that's what our Lord is saying. He's, he, he, in our prayer life, He's saying, you guys, we need to be persistent in this thing. Don't go away empty-handed. Stay there until you get it what you need. Now, it's not to say that God's got, is, is in bed and all the saints and the angels are in bed and so God says, no, we're not going to get up right now. Um, we, as I said, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes in the spirit realm. God does. And that's why we need to be persistent in our knocking. There's, going to, there's a reason why our answer is not given to us straight away. But nevertheless, he who knocks, to him who knocks, the door will be opened. To him who asks, he will receive. He who seeks will find. And so when you're looking for something, you don't look for it uh, and after five minutes you give up. No, you continue looking until you find what you're looking for. And so he who seeks finds. Um, and he who knocks, the door is open. And so, you know, as I say, our Lord can get too much more plain than that. And a lot of Christians kind of lose it there because they knock once, nothing happens, they ask once, nothing happens, and so they walk away. Okay, it must not be the will of the Lord. Um, or they, they give an answer as to why they don't get the answer. And they come up with their own answer as to why they don't get an answer. And that's not God. Because um, Jesus said, what did he say? 
For everyone who asks, receives. It didn't say for some who ask, receive, and some who ask, don't receive. You know, it's a hit and miss. You might get God on a good day, you might get Him on a bad day. Get Him on a bad day, well, that's it, you're not going to get. But your brother who went to just five minutes before you, God was in a good mood, and so He got His answer. You, you happened to come at the wrong time. Uh, God was busy talking to Michael and Gabriel that were planning stuff, and so, you know, He couldn't get up and sort out your problem there and then. That's not our Lord. That's, what, that's, what he, that's not what He taught us. He said, everyone. Everyone means kind of everyone. Everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So that's what our Lord is saying. Stay there. Don't go away. Stay there until you get what you want. Because that's what you... Uh, Jesus has given us His word on the subject. He said, you get this, guys, this is how it works. Ask, and you'll receive. Be persistent, though. Don't give up on the first, second, third, and fourth knock. Just keep knocking until that door gets open. That's the way um, we need to be approaching our prayer life on issues. And not, as I say, walk away and answer why we don't get our answer. Come up with your own answer as to why you didn't get your answer. Rather, get your answer. That's easiest. It, it, but it takes persistence to get there. Let's have a look at another uh, teaching our Lord gave again on the same uh, passage, uh, same principle, and that is in Luke 18, verses 1 through to 8. Uh, scripture says, Then he spoke a parable to them. Now, this one's a parable, and, he, and the Holy Spirit actually plainly tells us what this parable is about because most of the parables, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us what they're about. We have to Trust him to teach us what the parable means. And sometimes our Lord explains the parable afterwards. But in this one, the Holy Spirit just lets us know right up front, this is what this parable is about. So he says, Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Sounds very similar to when our Lord said, be persistent. And so, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Say there was a certain, in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's a very telling comment that our Lord may write there. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Oh, that's such a... Kind of an indictment on the church. Nevertheless, let's get back to what our Lord is talking about here. He's saying, he's not saying, God is an unjust judge. We know that, okay? But our, our Lord is doing a comparative between God who is just uh, and an unjust judge. And he's saying this widow goes to an unjust judge and she gets her petition from him purely because of her persistence, because she wasn't going to give up. And so the unjust judge, you know, he didn't fear anybody, um, but he just knew he had to give in to this woman, otherwise 
She was just not going to let up. And so he gave her what she wanted. So now the Lord does a comparative. He said, now look at your father who is just. And he's not the unjust judge. How much more won't he give what we require of him when we come to him? And so the point again is right at the outset that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Because again, as I say, God doesn't withhold uh, answers of, of prayer from us um, because he's an unjust judge that we know. So when there is a delay in our prayers being answered, there is a reason which God knows what that reason is. But we don't. Unless God reveals it to us, maybe he does at times, but not all the time, does he? And so that's what our Lord says, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Continue praying. And he says, look at what this woman was able to do with an unjust judge. You continue praying and you will also get your answer from God. Because as I say, there are other issues that um, prevent God answering our prayers straight away. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes we pray and the answer is manifested immediately. Uh, time and again that happens. But there are going to be times when the answer will not be manifest immediately. And that is when we need to not lose heart, but we need to continue praying. And we're to be persistent in our prayers. And that is what our Lord is uh, trying to get across to us in that particular passage of Scripture. Now, this is one of the reasons. This is not the only reason. This is not even the main reason as to why sometimes our prayers are not answered straight away. But nevertheless, this is one reason. Um, and now this kind of flies in the face with what I said right at the outset earlier in the teaching. I said, when we pray, first find out what the will of God is in the situation. And then when you pray according to his will, you know he's hear, heard your prayer. And if he hears your prayer, you know he, you're going to get the petition made known to him. But this particular account flies in the face of that principle. Let's read the account and then we'll explain it. Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 22. Scripture says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And so here we go as somebody who's come before uh, our Lord Jesus, obviously. But you can take this and put it into our prayer life as well when we go before God the Father in the name of Jesus. And so she comes to Jesus and she's petitioning him outside of the will of God because Jesus was not sent to the Gentiles Jesus was sent to the Jews and that's why he said to us, it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the, the little dogs because he had been sent to minister only to the Jews not to the Gentiles so she's now petitioning him outside of the will of God and her initial 
uh, encounter when she requests God to have mercy on her, because that's what she cries out for. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. So she's not coming arrogantly here. She's really asking, she's asking for mercy. She recognizes that it can only be the mercy of God that's going to solve her problem, because you know, obviously they got themselves into this mess that her daughter become demon-possessed, however it happened. Um, and so she comes asking for mercy, but the initial response from heaven is absolute silence. The scripture says in verse 23, but he answered her not a word. So Jesus ignored her, okay? Maybe because she's coming against outside of the will of God. So um, we're looking at persistent prayer here because again, uh, go back to where our Lord said, he who asks receives, he who knocks it will be open to him, he who seeks finds. And so our Lord was taught, teaching on persistence there. And that's how persis persistence actually works. Because persistence overcomes praying even outside of the will of God. Uh, to a point, because you know, uh, God's not going to be mocked in this area, but let's just carry on with this particular account. She hears nothing. Jesus is completely silent on the issue. She doesn't go away. She doesn't say, well, yeah, I tried. She continues. So much so that his disciples came and urged him, say, send her away. She's crying out after us. In other words, she's making an absolute nuisance of herself. You know, just tell her to go. And then our Lord says, well, wait a minute. Let me just explain to you why I'm not answering her. Because I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She hears that, obviously, because our Lord, um, she's right there. Uh, who the Lord's disciples are saying, you know, tell her to go away, Lord. She's just making an absolute nuisance. And so our Lord doesn't talk to her. Our Lord talks to his disciples. But he knows she can hear him. And he says, I wasn't sent to the lost, uh, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so she hears that. And so verse 25, she says, the scripture says, then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her. So she... She hears that she, you know, uh, he, Jesus is not sent to um, the Gentiles, only sent to the Jews. But she doesn't say, okay, so now I understand why you, he won't answer me. Because I'm not, he's, he's not mandated by God to be able to help me. Because uh, that was the case. I mean, Jesus was being honest. He said, I'm not sent to the Gentiles. I was sent to the Jews. She hears that. And so she doesn't think, okay, well, I'm, I'm really praying outside of the will of God now, so I'm able to get up and, and go home. No, she doesn't. She comes and she carries on. She's persistent. She, she comes and worships him. She says, Lord, help me. Now he answers her. Now he responds to her for the first time. The scripture says, but he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. So he actually insults her. Because up until this time, he hasn't really, but now he says, taking, if I was to help you, lady, I'd be taking the children's bread, which is the Jews, their healing, and throwing it to a little dog. So he's referring to her as a little dog. Um, she doesn't get offended at that, because she is determined to receive her answer from God. And so what is her response? And she says, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And she gets a response. And our Lord says, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Her daughter was delivered. And so our Lord recognized her great faith. What was her great faith? Her great faith was she was just not going to let go. She was determined to receive from God. She was absolutely persistent. 
She was going to knock on that door until that door was open to her. No matter what, uh, if, what reasons were put forward to her. First, first encounter, absolute silence. Second encounter, um, it ex explained kind of why she was not going to get an answer. Third encounter, Jesus says, oh woman, great is your faith. Now I'm not saying three times and God's going to open the door. I, the point is here is that she, it was actually four times uh, that she, we don't know how many times she cried out to God because, uh, because the, the disciple says she's making a nuisance of herself. So it was quite a lot. Um, but she was not going to go away until she got what she came for. And it was her faith that Jesus recognized and Jesus honored. And that's what God will recognize and God will honor. And so even if we do pray outside of the will of God, now, as I say, with, in certain parameters, so, you know, praying that God will, I don't know, kill your next door neighbor. Well, that's not going to be answered. You can pray and be persistent as long as you like for that. That's not going to happen. Um, but this type of prayer, getting, uh, the principle is the point that we want to get across, is that even when we are maybe not praying in the perfect will of God, um, if it's not going to be, if it's not a sinful thing that we're asking God to do, um, then if we're persistent, we're going to get our answer. Even if God didn't want to, uh, it, wasn't, it was outside of His perfect will for our lives. But nevertheless, because we're persistent, we will get our answer from God. And so we need to just be persistent in our prayer life. Let's have a look at another account in Scripture which um, highlights for us an example of one who was persistent in their prayer life inside of the will of God inside the perfect will of God. But nevertheless, they still had to be persistent in their prayer life in order to get the answer. And that uh, is, uh, uh, I, you know, the scripture doesn't explain why this delay occurred, but this delay did occur. Um, and this individual was persistent in their prayers. Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse 20. Scripture says, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. Verse 21. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Well, that sounds fine. Um, Isaac pleaded that she was barren, so Isaac pleaded before the Lord, um, and God opened her womb, and so she bore. Um, um, who would it be? It would have been Jacob, huh? Yeah, they were twins. Verse 24. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. Verse 26. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So at 40 years old, he marries Rebecca, and, and they don't have any children. So he starts to pray, and he starts to petition. He, he's 60 years old when God answers his prayer. 20 years Isaac prays for Rebecca's womb to be opened up. Now it was the perfect will of God for Isaac to have a son, because it was in Isaac's seed that God was going to um, bless Israel. 
And so, you know, Isaac had to have a son. He knew that. Abraham had shared that. But God had spoken to him on the issue. And so he, he's praying according to the perfect will of God. But he has to pray for 20 years before God answers his prayer. Why is that? I have no idea. I don't know that there is any explanation in Scripture that I've seen. Um, that explains why God waits 20 years. Rebecca was barren for 20 years. And believe you me, Isaac didn't pray for one year and then gave up. He continued and continued and continued. And on his 60th birthday, he gets uh, Jacob and Esau as his sons. Or Esau was the, the firstborn. And so there was a 20-year uh, petition. He knocked and he knocked and he knocked and he knocked. That's <laughs> a long time. Now I'm not saying we're all going to have to wait 20 years, but I'm just, that's an example. And of course the scripture says that uh, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And we, we, we tend to think, okay, well it happened a couple of years later. It didn't. It happened 20 years later. And I guarantee you Isaac never stopped pleading all through that time. For because he knew that God had given him his word on the issue that he was going to have a son. And so it was in Genesis 17, 19, God had spoken about that. Here's another example of a delayed prayer. And so, you know, that's just kind of an example of how persistent we are to be in order. And look at the, the result of Isaac's prayer. His Israel came out. And so the nation of Israel really came through... Um, Isaac's son. So, yeah, because Jacob became Israel. Another account in Scripture, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 13, Scripture says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all of the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying, was praying, outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, now this is interesting, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. When Zacharias has the vision um, where Gabriel appears to him, he is just before his 50th birthday, uh, because the priest retired at age of 15. And so from this point, he goes back to his home. Um, Elizabeth is a little bit younger than him, by a couple of years, so she's in her late 40s. When the angel appears to him, Zacharias is pretty dumbstruck, <laughs> and it became that case, literally, he was dumbstruck. Yeah, God, I prayed when I first married my wife, Elizabeth, and that must have been about 30 years before that they got married in their early 20s, maybe. And she was barren. And so Zacharias prays and asks for, he might have asked for a son, uh, he maybe just asked for a, a, a child. 
but he prayed. And I, let's say Zacharias was as persistent as Isaac was and prayed for 20 years. So 20, so in his, uh, he gets to his 40th birthday, 42 maybe, and that's it. He, I prayed for 20 years, Lord. Isaac prayed for 20 years. You eventually answered his prayer. I, be, I prayed for 20 years and I had nothing. So I give up on this issue. Zechariah stops praying because when Gabriel does appear to him and he says, what is he, what is, that's amazing. What did Gabriel say to him? Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers heard. <laughs> Zacharias has actually forgotten that he'd been praying about this issue because it was years before, maybe 10 years before, that he stopped praying for this particular issue. And I think Zacharias was maybe not as persistent as Isaac was, and maybe by the time he got to 35, he gave up. said, Elizabeth, you know, that's it. You know, God's just not going to give us a child. Um, but nevertheless, when Gabriel appears to Zacharias, he says, your prayers are heard. So God, is, as in, in God's view, it was as if Zacharias had got on his knees that morning and prayed. And God heard his prayer and sent Gabriel to answer his prayer. But it was a delay of at least 10 years, maybe 15 years, um, since that prayer had been uttered. Another angel stands before him and says, don't be afraid, your prayers are heard. And so Zacharias is you know, completely dumbstruck. He doesn't understand. And he says, you know, how can this happen? I'm an old man now. And, and so Gabriel says, okay, well, this is the sign to you. You're going to be done until the child's born. And so in this instance over here, we do kind of get an idea as to what the delay. What we know the reason is because God's, God wanted to bless them with John the Baptist. I mean, what an absolute blessing of a son uh, any parent could possibly want. Because John, our Lord, said, was the greatest prophet that ever lived, um, that was born of a woman. And so, you know, out of all of them, think about Moses, uh, Samuel, David, Elijah, Elisha, our Lord te testifies about uh, John that he was the greatest. So they get this, they get to raise the greatest prophet that ever lived, born of a woman. But they had to wait for God's perfect timing for John to be made manifest in the earth. And that just happened to be 30 years later from the time that Zacharias and Elizabeth, she would have prayed as well, but from the time that they started to pray. 30 years later, the angel appears and says, your prayer's been heard. And they get their answer. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we, we assume that Zacharias was pretty persistent in his prayer life, but I don't think he went past the 20-year mark that Isaac went to. And so, you know, he kind of did, I think, give up on the prayer. But nevertheless, he gets his prayer answered. And so, but then again, the point is, is that that's, there's, there's reasons for delays in prayers sometimes. And we need to recognize that we don't know why the delay is taking place. God does. And in his perfect will, if he hears our prayer, we know that we have the petition. And so we should never lose heart and give up on prayer. And then one last scripture I want to look at, which again just gives us another reason, because as I said, they, they are, we're talking about the spirit realm, we're talking about uh, God's perfect will, we're talking about all sorts of things interacting with our prayer life. And so we cannot know um, everything and the reasons why things delay. God does know. All God requires of us is that we remain 
persistent in our prayers and that we do not lose heart and we continue to pray. And so here's one of the other reasons why prayers do get delayed. Daniel chapter 10 verses uh, 12 and 13. Um, again, this is Gabriel speaking, the archangel Gabriel. He said, the scripture said, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the, prince, with the kings of Persia. And so here was a case of uh, Daniel the prophet had be, uh, sought, begun to uh, seek the Lord on the deliverance of Israel. Because he had saw, um, seen in the scriptures that Jeremiah had prophet, prophesied 70 years in exile. And that 70 years was now coming was pretty much up. And so he was petitioning on behalf of Israel. When he gets on his knees to pray, his prayer gets heard straight away. And that's always going to be the case. God is going to hear our prayer if we've met all the other conditions. God's always going to hear our prayers straight away. Now, the scripture says, we know that we have the petition that we ask of him if he hears our prayer. So when God hears Daniel's prayer, he dispatches uh, Gabriel to answer his prayer straight away. But Gabriel is uh, held up by one of Satan's uh, angels, he talks about the prince of Persia was stood in for 21 days. And so Gabriel doesn't get through to uh, Daniel with the answer because there's a spiritual confrontation taking place between two angelic beings, the king of Persia, uh, which is a satanic angel, and then Gabriel, which is obviously the archangel, archangel, archangel of God. And Gabriel can't get through shows you in, in the spirit realm that you know the, Satan's angels are very powerful. And so Gabriel can't get through. So what he has to do, God has to send Michael to help Gabriel. Michael comes on the scene and releases Gabriel. So Michael now deals with the king of Persia while Gabriel can then get through to Daniel to give him the answer. And it takes 21 days for that in, encounter to be sorted out. And then Gabriel appears to Daniel and gives him the answer to his prayer. And so behind this, the scenes, there's that side of it as well. There is spiritual opposition. And some of the spirits that are out there are, as I say, quite powerful. I mean, Gabriel couldn't get through on his own. God had to send Michael to help Gabriel to get, to get through. And so again, there's just so much we don't understand what's going on. But God says, don't give up. Be persistent in your prayers. Be, don't lose heart. Continue to pray. And as we do we will receive the answers. For our Lord did say, to him who asks, he who asks will receive, he who seeks will find, and he who knocks, it will be open to And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.